Welcome to the Pages to Progress podcast, the podcast where we explore ideas and insights to help you lead a happier and more fulfilling life. My name is Lakshay and I'm joined today by Jared and we'll be discussing the book Happy Money by Ken Honda. I generally enjoy books about money and finance, so I'm very keen to discuss this one with you today, Jared. Before I get into the blurb of the book, are you generally interested in the topic of personal finance? Yeah, I have to say that I think everyone can learn a lot by reading finance books because this isn't stuff you get taught in school. So I'm definitely excited to jump into this one today. Sounds good. So as per usual, before we get into the book, I'll just read out the blurb. Too often, money is a source of fear, stress and anger, often breaking apart relationships and even ruining lives. We like to think money is just a piece of paper, but it is so much more than that. Money has the ability to smile. It changes when it is given with a certain feeling, and the energy with which it imbues us impacts not only ourselves, but others as well. Although Ken Honda is often called a money guru, his real job over the past decade has been to help others discover the tools they already possess to heal their own lives and relationships with money. Learn how to treat money as a welcome guest, allowing it to come and go with respect and without resentment. Understand and improve your money EQ. Unpack the myth of scarcity and embrace the process of giving money, not just receiving it. This book isn't to fix you because as Ken Honda says, you're already okay. So after reading this book, I think the book covers a few key concepts such as the idea of happy money versus unhappy money, using money as a tool for happiness and not as a source of happiness. The concept of gratitude and looking at money as a source of energy. It's not really a conventional way of looking at money. So let's look into the idea of money as energy. What do you think about that, Jared? I think it was really interesting reading how the author posits this idea that money is not just a piece of paper, as it says in the blurb, like it's physical energy that you are giving and taking every day. And definitely... When I think of it from that perspective, it changes the way I see money. And I definitely recognize the energy that surrounds it, how it can be such a source of positivity or source of negativity. And I definitely agree with what he says about that in the book. The author also talks about negative and positive interactions with money. If you believe that money is this overwhelmingly negative thing, then it won't be attracted to you if you feel positively towards money that you realize the good that it can generate then you'll be more likely to attract that into your life and i definitely can think of a few situations in which that has happened to me what do you think lakshay yeah it was an interesting idea because i've never really thought of money as energy uh, and i i'm personally interested in money and personal finance so uh I always think that, you know, I'm putting good energy into money, if you want to put it that way. Uh, but they also discuss in the book the idea of being paid for a job that you don't like or you're not interested in. And that that money that you earn from that job has a negative energy because you're, the time you've spent and the energy you've spent to earn that money, uh, you've not been in like a positive state. So I can relate to, I can understand that, I can relate to that. And uh, I never really thought about that before. So um, 
overall, I agree with it. Something to think about on my side and something to sort of, um, you know, when I'm looking for new jobs in the future, new work, I think that's something I need to consider. I think that's something everyone can relate to. We've all had that job that's been uninteresting or maybe it's just not exactly what you need in life at that stage and you're doing it just for the money and it is a horrible feeling um, always working for that paycheck. So you're definitely not alone if you've had those thoughts or feelings. I can definitely vouch for you. I've had those feelings. I know Lakshay's had those feelings. So yeah, definitely what Lakshay said try and look for something that's more aligned to what your purpose is about and you'll find ways of generating positivity in the money that you do earn. Yeah, one thing we should all think about is looking for a job or a career, you know, that we really enjoy. And I think to be successful with money, you want to start infusing your money with that positive energy. So that's something to consider uh, when you're looking for work. Uh, Another big topic in the book is the myth of scarcity. So uh, I, bet, I bet you've read this in other books as well, uh, developing an abundance mindset. Um, and I think this for me is also very hard. Like instinctually, I think it's like uh, we look at certain resources or certain things like for money, for example, and we assume it's limited, right? And then if we create a product in a marketplace and someone has a similar product, that they're taking all our sales away. But if you look in the bigger picture, there's so much potential out there, right? There's so many customers, there's so many uh, different users that both of us, my store and another store, if we're selling a particular product, we both have the same potential to make a lot of money and we're not impacting one another. So that's sort of my thought about the abundance mindset and changing my mindset around that. What do you think about that, Jared? Do you, do you have any thoughts on the scarcity mindset? Yeah, I have to agree saying that's, there's almost this instinctual feeling about scarcity. It's, it's in the way we're raised. Maybe you grew up with a brother or sister. Maybe you had to eat quickly. Otherwise, there wouldn't be food left at the table. There's definitely instances in real life where that scarcity mindset does very much apply. Wealth is just this very different beast. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves that there is opportunity out there for us. The myth of scarcity is something that is ingrained to us when we're young. That's what I believe. You know, it can come from your parents uh, or it can come from other places. With scarcity, I think, um, you know, it's something you have to really train yourself with, right? Because like you said, we're raised with this sort of mindset uh, and we believe that everything is limited. All the resources, all the potential, we believe it's limited and we have to distribute it equally. So I think... We need to work on that mindset and just work on the way we feel about money, which is sort of what I wanted to lead into next. Like, are you aware? Do you think about money a lot, Jared? Do you have certain feelings that come up with money when you think about it? Or how do you live your life with money? What What do you feel? I feel as though I've been taught from a young age to save money, not to spend it frivolously, uh, that it is this thing that can buy you nice things eventually if you save enough of it uh but beyond that i haven't really been taught much more about money a lot of my education of money has come from books like happy money 
where I've gone and done my own independent research and found out, oh, there's actually different ways of conceiving of money and, and looking at money. And I think that's really important. So one of the topics in the book is how linked, how closely linked money is with emotion. Uh, you may think of money as this terrible obstacle that, you know, you can never seem to get enough of. And even I've felt that way at times. Well, I think a lot of people believe that, Jared, and we can never get enough of money, right? And it's interesting you say that because, even, well, I'm, I'm like that as well, I think. And I think that leads to fear, right? We're looking, we want a lot of money so we feel secure, so we don't have to worry about anything. So we think money is the solution to everything. So we are charging the money with a lot of emotion, which is negative, effectively, right? And we don't even realize that we think we're positive towards money and that we have a positive attitude towards money. But then our emotions are telling us that we're trying to hoard it and trying to stockpile it so we feel secure. But actually, we're actually scared. We're, we're fearful. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. So getting control of the emotions around money and switching that into a positive mindset is actually quite difficult, I think. And that's even for people who have a lot of money already, right? not just people who are trying to get out of a certain situation or, or, or elevate their life, you know. So yeah, it's a, it's a difficult topic. But yeah, I, I guess we should also keep moving forward into the other aspects of the book. You know, Ken goes into some detail about types of people and how they relate to money. So this was interesting. And he calls it money EQ. So money IQ is one thing about knowing what to do with the money and how to invest it, how to maximize your returns, how to uh, make the best use of it. But money EQ was something I wasn't really, well, I never really thought about, to be honest. Ken goes into detail in, and he's like sort of classifies the type of people and how they engage with money. So there's three main types here. So there's one that actively engages with money. There's one that tries to have nothing to do with money. And there's one that tries to stay as far away from money as possible. So I've, I could identify with some of these personalities that he came up with, but I'll go to you first, Jared. What do you think? Did you ever classify yourself in any way? And, and reading the book, what do you think applies to you? Yeah, so there were five types he's got written down here. First of all, we have the compulsive saver, uh, which is the category that I think I fit best into. Um, then you have the compulsive spender, uh, you have the moneymaker, um, the indifferent, and the monk. So in each of these categories, it's kind of a scale, right? So you've got someone who's you know, very conscious about how they spend money, how they make money, and then you have someone who's completely separated from it. So in the book, he talks about how we, there's a bit of an illusion that money can buy you freedom. And while I would say that it is partially true, um, I think we actually have a lot of freedom right now um, in the decisions and you know what we can do with our lives. And, and who we rely on is also important as part of that. So with these categories, yes, I think I'm a compulsive saver. That's, that's how I was raised. The author also highlights this money IQ versus money EQ point through a few examples. So he posits that you can be extremely intelligent about money. You can be very good at making it and increasing the interest on it. But then how you spend it can be a complete nullification of all of your money intelligence, basically. 
he shows a few examples of people who have made an incredible amount of money, um, but have managed not to hold on to any of it. And I think that's a really important highlight of his point on money EQ, how, how they felt about money because they were making so much of it. They disregarded the value of it. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, what you're saying there is you're basically allowing your emotions to uh, take over even though you may have all these correct strategies in place to invest your money at any time, your emotions can take over and you can, you know, lose what you've made, lose everything you have. Uh, and even though it's not the logical choice, you're not allowing yourself to think and act in the right manner. So I think that's what you're trying to say with these, you know, with these different personalities that he's discussed. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about in terms of the profile that you have for yourself? I think after reading the book, I've definitely changed a few of my viewpoints on not only how I spend money and how I save money. So I think maybe I've come down from compulsive saver a little bit, learned how to enjoy money and how to, how to you know, use it as this positive thing rather than this uh, anxiety that I get most of the time. Yeah, I think so. And I think I'm similar to you, right? So if I classified myself uh, based on these personalities, I'd also say that I'm a compulsive saver and I love saving money really, to be honest, and I only spend in certain situations. So I think after reading this book, I have also made some changes to the way I view money in terms of spending money, uh, which I guess we'll get to in a minute. But I also wanted to sort of lead into the idea of money blueprints. So that is ideas we have around money, the beliefs we have around money, and how those are just passed down to us from our families, from the people we know. So everything we've learned is from people who not necessarily knew what to do with money themselves. Yeah, exactly right. So I definitely can think of many instances where my parents have said, no, save your money, or they've influenced my decisions based on how they were raised. And the unfortunate thing about that is Sometimes their advice is not the best for you because they were raised in specific times or specific circumstances. Uh, they believe that their knowledge is best uh, when actually, you know, times change and so do the ways that we use money. If you have an idea of your future and how you want to live with money and what type, of, what type of money you want in your life, you have to base it off people who are in that position, right? And if you're family or your parents or anyone you know is not in the position you want to be, you can't rely on the same beliefs that they have. I can safely say that none of the rich people today would be rich if they followed my parents' advice. I don't know if that's the case for you as well, Lakshay, but that's definitely the case for me. Well, definitely I agree because in terms of my family, I think they were very uh, relaxed about money, very free about money. So they didn't really care what was happening, right? They didn't worry about investments too much. They didn't worry about spending. So I think that's why, that's one reason why I also became a compulsive saver because I've seen the opposite when I was growing up. So I think that's one reason I also chased that security with money, which is correct and incorrect belief system, I suppose. And what the author also states is that this is not only passed down from one generation, it's actually multiple generations that have passed down their knowledge in an effort to assist 
you know, the next generation. So we might be receiving advice from people who lived through the Great Depression, who wanted to store money in beds or under cupboards, and that was the safest place for it, right? So it's not just your parents, um, it's how they were taught and how their parents were taught. So I think it's important to remember that you have to make a decision based on your current situation and what's best for yourself. You know, that's why we read these type of books, right? We want to change our mindset, our belief around money so that we're in the best position to achieve what we want in life and not rely on our parents or our grandparents or any family or any type of belief system which hasn't been validated. You know what I mean? So yeah, I agree with you there and it makes sense. And I guess part of that is this idea of gratitude. Gratitude is one of the concepts discussed in the book, which seems to be a key element in changing your financial situation and also your general life situation or or the way you react to situations in your life. And this book is not the only one where gratitude has been a big portion of it or has been discussed in detail. So it seems to be sort of like a consistent topic that comes up. And yeah, I think for improved happiness and self-confidence, gratitude seems to be a big factor. Have you ever considered gratitude, Jared? Have you ever made a journal? Have you ever sort of thought about it? Or just even if you haven't made an effort to write it down somewhere, have you considered gratitude in your daily life? I think the thing is with me, if I wasn't taught it in school or if I wasn't taught by my parents, I tend to neglect very much any... Uh, opportunities for gratitude and I think it is so important because it can mean the difference between you know not saying anything at all or you know not showing appreciation and actually showing deep appreciation for something you know that's someone who's helped you or you know a situation that you've been assisted out of so I think it's so important and I did enjoy reading about it in this book and it definitely changed the way I thought about it going forward. Recently, I've actually been uh, keeping a journal. So uh, in the morning and in the night, I open up the journal and I just write three items that I'm grateful for. And that's something I've been trying for the last few months. And it has been difficult to do that. But we also do take a lot of things for granted. So I think it's helped me pick up some things which I should be grateful for that I sort of just take for granted. I think I'm still in the process of changing that mindset. Even though I'm doing this journaling process, I still think it's going to take time for me to actually get into that normal state of gratitude. But yeah, it is something interesting and I think everyone should try it. I think expressing gratitude is something you're going to find in a lot of the books that we will read. Uh, It is one of the best ways to increase the amount of happiness in your life and just bring appreciation for the things that you do have in your life. We don't do that at all, really, right? We just take for granted a lot of things in our life. And I think, you know, this process of actually journaling and actually writing it down is one way to start being more grateful for the things in your life. And yet, like you said, a lot of the books we're going to look at, they'll cover this in detail, right? And this is one proven way to improve your mindset and to improve your happiness, even though we might not have all the things that we think we need to be happy. So yeah, it's definitely interesting concept. It's amazing once you start looking around in your life and appreciating the things that you do have, just how many things that you did take for granted for so long. I don't know if that's been your experience, but that definitely was mine. 
we're all like that, I think. And, you know, we don't appreciate the little things, like you said. Like, for example, we get fresh water every day, right? And a lot, lot of people around the world don't even get that. We just take that for granted. You can go for a walk in the park. Maybe some people don't even have access to a park or anywhere they can walk safely. These are little things, right? And they make a big difference in our life. And I guess until you don't have it, you don't realize how lucky you are. And that's why we need to maintain this sort of journaling process or not even journaling, just even if you're reciting it in your mind at certain stages or when something happens, just saying thank you that I can, uh, that I have the ability to, to do this, you know? One of my favorite things in this book was how the author thanks his money as he's paying for goods and services. When he sees money actively leaving his account, it's not a anxiety feeling. He's actually thanking the money and where it's going and actually providing that as good energy for what he does. And I just love that about the book. I've actually been doing that since I've read the book as well. And I'm just trying to say thank you. You know, even though the money's going out of my account, I just say thank you for, yes, I got a service out of it. I got something out of it. Uh, and that person deserves to be compensated for whatever service it is. Yeah, just trying to change the energy I have around money, especially because I'm such a compulsive saver. I think it's good to change that energy around money. And yeah, in or out, both of those aspects of money are good. And then I guess that leads in nicely to the topic of the flow of money, which is, yeah, like you said, you know, appreciating when it comes in or out. And it can describe the flow of money to be similar to the flow of water. Uh, and he had an analogy that he used in the book, which was that of a lake. So if you think you're stockpiling your money, you're creating a big lake for yourself. But if you just let that money sit there, eventually, like the water, that money becomes stale. And so Ken described it as you need to have some sort of flow in the water. So some sort of flow in your money in and out to maintain a good money energy. So that's one really good thing I picked up out of the book. But in terms of the idea of flow, did you have anything else you thought about the flow of money, Jared? It's a really interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? Because, yeah, as, as you say, we have been taught to hold on to money that it's, you know, you've got to keep accumulating it and never let it get out of your hands. So I think this is an interesting analogy that definitely helped me understand a bit more uh, why we should be happier to let money go. And yeah, using the lake is, is such a great one because, you know, you want to keep your money fresh. You want to keep the energy positive and want to have that steady flow in and out. I think that's really important. Yeah. And as someone who is, like we said, compulsive saver, who might be restricted or might not want to spend money, I think it's important to just sort of think about that idea of how we want to keep the water fresh. Uh, we want to keep the lake fresh. We want to make sure that we're also contributing to other people's dreams, you know, using services, making sure we use other products, trying to just remain active and, you know, use our money in the way it's meant to be used and not just stored or just sitting there for no reason. I mean, there is a reason behind it, but to a certain extent, I think. So the idea of flow itself, I thought is very interesting. That uh, lake analogy is something that really sticks in the back of my mind when I think about money now. So uh, I think just about maintaining that flow is something that I've really taken out of the book. Isn't it interesting that now we've read two Japanese books and flow has been a prominent feature in both of them? Come to think of it, flow is probably you know important in all areas of life 
Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think so? Correct. And if you look back to the first book, Ikigai, when they were talking about flow, that was looking at certain tasks or activities that, you know, you really get lost in yourself and you really enjoy. And then if you're enjoying that type of activity, it would eventually lead to some sort of money flow as well, right? And that's your goal. So I think, yeah, it's definitely linked. And yeah, it's funny that we've ended up reading two Japanese books straight away. Just to finish off this podcast, uh, I wanted to go through the five steps to happy money as summarized by Ken Honda in the book. And they are one, shift into an abundance mindset. Two, forgive and heal money wounds. Three, discover your gifts and share your gifts. Four, trust life. And five, say arigato or thank you all the time. So that's the summary there, Jared. What do you think about that? Before I kind of did my final comments on the book, there is one further thing I would actually like to talk about. Uh, the author near the end of the book kind of touches on a trust in people um, rather than, you know, trusting in money. So he says specifically that on your deathbed, you know, you won't be checking your bank account. You know, you'll be remembering the times and experiences that you spent with the people around you. And so instead of highlighting, you know, the importance of money, it's, it's actually the people uh, that can give you a different kind of wealth that you can enjoy for free, uh, which is really good. And I, I really loved, you know, reading some of the specific topics in this book. Uh, I think there's a lot there for anyone who's interested in, you know, reading a bit more about money and I suppose his perspective on money and, you know, you'll be able to get a lot out of it. I, I definitely did. How about you, Lakshay? It's a very unconventional way to think about money. You know, we're given the tools or like, yeah, this is how you can invest. This is how you can maximize your money. These are the smart things to do with your money. Uh, but we don't really talk about this sort of mindset around it a lot. In that way, the book was very good. And I think it challenges you to think differently, to sort of apply these different ideas in your own life and sort of pick and choose what works best for you. And I think I've picked up a few things from the book. And yeah, I'll definitely keep applying those in the future and sort of change this mentality I have around uh, scarcity of money. I'll definitely be finding ways to make positive money and uh, I am keen to see the ways that I discover. It sounds like a good challenge, I think. I think we should all be doing that. We should all be trying to find ways to make positive money and, and give our money good energy and not just do things because we need to or we have to, right? So that's the end of the podcast. Thank you for joining us on our deep dive into happy money. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast and has given you some new ways to look at and think about money. If you'd like to pick up a copy of the book, we'll leave a note in the description and we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.